Well, this morning, uh, my, the title of my message is, Which Race Do I Run? <laughs> oh, no, Run Your Race. That's it, Run Your Race. <laughs> I, um, I was conflicted in uh, the titles. Always, get, do you ask a question or make a statement? You know, when you're making, when you're writing a topic and writing about something, do you, do you ask a question, which race do I run? Or do I make a statement, run your race? Okay? So it's like, all right, which one do, they, do I go with? So I went with the statement, run your race. Now, the question is, well, what race am I in? <laughs> uh, we're in the human race. Okay, okay, we got that, we got that down pat. We're in the human race, okay? Um, sometimes we're in um, uh, the, the couch potato race. <laughs> you know, the run your race, the couch potato. Okay. Um, so what are we, the, the, really, the question is, what race are we training for? <laughs> what race are we getting in shape for? And uh, some of us are, you know, I pick on myself, we are the uh, dinner marathon. <laughs> It's called a smorgasbord. Um, uh, we are the dust to dawn fast food race. <laughs> you know, we are always on a run and we are catching food wherever we can. Or we are the work that's never done marathon, you know. We're never done racing. We're never done working. Or uh, what else? I'll do a tomorrow uh, race. You know, it's called the locker room uh, letdown. <laughs> that uh, we're never going to win this game and we're never going to do it. You know, I failed at this before. So again, what, what, uh, what, uh, what race are we preparing for? Now, in the marathon race, we're always trying to tell ourselves, you know, got to do this, got to do that, make a list, check it twice, see who's been naughty and nice. And we get onto that type of a race and onto that type of a thinking. Well, but we also are training ourselves that, you know what, I failed, I've made mistakes, and I don't think I can ever get going again, you know, so we are in the discouragement race. We're trying to discourage ourselves so that we don't get up and get going. Well, in the track and field, and I was looking at all the events for track and field, you know, that's the Summer Olympics, and we're not going to the Summer Olympics, we're going to the Winter Olympics, we'll get to those. But there are the sprints, the 100-yard, 200, 400-yard dashes. I never ran those. <laughs> um, the middle distance, the 800 to 1500. The long distance, the 300, the steeplechase. The hurdles, the relays, the shot put. I was in the field. <laughs> I did the shot put, the javelin, and the discus. Because I couldn't run, but I could throw things a long way. So I got put there. Uh, so there was the long jump the triple jump, the pole vault, the high jump, got all those things going. But then in the alpine skiing, we have the Winter Olympics coming up. And uh, my, our son, um, he was in the racing, uh, I won't say racing business, in the racing uh, vein for a while. When he was in high school, he raced it uh, all over the eastern United States. He even raced at Lake Placid. They had him at uh, 75, 80 miles an hour in the downhill at Lake Placid on the radar gun. And uh, he said, well, Dad, did you ever think of jumping out of a car at 60 miles an hour? <laughs> uh, no. So that's what it's like for these guys who race downhill. And there is the Super G, the slalom, the giant slalom. There is the freestyle, the aerials, the moguls, you know. It was just amazing to see. And David, there was a group of them that raced at Seven Springs. There was four or five of them. And to see those guys on the hill 
and there's one of the ladies also, to see them on, on a ski slope, they were like, you know, everybody else was so far beneath them. <laughs> you know, everybody was so far beneath those four or five. They would go down the hill and everybody would just stop and say, wow, you know. But then you look at them, they would go to these races where there would be people from the ski academies. And the ski academies, they were, these are the kids that went to school at the ski slopes. And one of them, uh, one of those schools wanted David to come and be on their, on their uh, ski team. I said, that's great. And I said, well, how much are you going to give us? And they said, oh, nothing. You just come and you pay us eighteen dollars to $20,000 a year for him to stay at the slope. And then you pay for his travel. And then you pay for um, his lift tickets at all the races he goes to. And then you pay for, it's, you pay for, <laughs> and you pay for, and what do I get out of this? Well, you get about three months of schooling for his senior year in high school. I don't think so. So anyhow, he never went that route. But so anyhow... We look at racing and you look at Olympics and you look at preparation and you look at these things and we wonder what kind of a race are we in? Sometimes we call it the rat race. <laughs> and what do you mean by a rat race? Well, have you ever seen a bunch of rats scurrying? Um, they are just out running in different directions trying to hide somewhere and get something that they can eat and go run with it. But... Um, so which one have we been training for? Um, the I can't do this race, I quit. Or how about the I have failed in the past race? Now, I need a volunteer, and all my kids went downstairs. So I need, I need some adults or young adults or somebody in the back by himself that's here by himself. Come on down. Come on down there. Either one of you. Okay, Jose, you come on down. Now, what I got here is a bag of potatoes. So, you see, and, and sometimes it's okay for us to just have one failure. You know, we do one thing wrong, and it's, you know, I told a lie. You know, I stole the candy bar from a, from a um, shop. Nobody knew I did that. Um, you know, I cheated somebody out of something. And then, you know, see what happens is we keep collecting these things, and we keep putting them up there for us to get. And then something big comes along, and, and then we have another thing. And what happens? No, you're not allowed to put them back down there. You're not allowed to put them on the altar. We're not talking about putting them on the altar. We're talking about carrying them. You're not giving them to Jesus just yet. My sermon's not over. <laughs> you know? If you're going to give them to Jesus, you've got to wait till Jesus comes, all right? <laughs> So anyhow, yeah, it's ain't too many of my illustrations. Well, here, take the whole bag. So, so what happens is that our sins become too hard to handle. Okay, you want to pick them up? What happens with our sin is now, we're, what's, what are we doing? We're picking up our failures. That's okay, you don't need to pick them up. But you see what happens if we allow our sins, if we allow the mistakes of our life to stay with us, we carry them. Let me just throw them there. Somebody wants potatoes, they're here after service. They're not really sinful potatoes. <laughs> All right. So what happens is we have we carry these things with us, and if our if we're carrying these things, it's hard to run our race carrying our past sins. 
and, and some of our past is not necessarily sinful. It's just mistakes. Sometimes we just made mistakes. You know, I went the wrong way. I thought I was doing right. I did the wrong thing. And it constantly haunts us. I shouldn't have done that. And I should have done this. I should have, should have. You know what? You take those shouldas and you throw them out. You can't carry them with you when you're running a race. You can't take an extra. <laughs> now, I know people tell me um, it, it's, it's hard to run a race with a 10-pound sack of potatoes, okay? It's hard to run a race when you're trying to carry all your past with you. That's why when Christ forgives us of our sin, he takes all of these things from us. Now, we have to learn from these, but we don't need to carry these. Amen? You have to let go of your past. Good or bad, you can, be, you can be very successful. You have to let go of your past. You can't live on yesterday's successes. And you can't let yesterday's successes bog you down. Because whether you know it or not, yesterday's gone. All we got is today and tomorrow. And tomorrow's not here yet. So we're trying to prepare ourselves so that we can live for tomorrow. But in order to get through tomorrow, we have to get through today. You cannot put tomorrow's sand through today's hourglass. I was like that. That was a Ogmandino staying from 20 years ago or something, 30 years ago. That you, you can't put tomorrow's sand through today's hourglass. So you can't live out in the future. And you certainly can't live in the past. You know, some people carry so much baggage they can't fly. They can't afford to fly. <laughs> you know, they got too many bags. It's a little joke. Okay. <laughs> so you have too many things of your past that you're trying to drag with you. You can't get there from here because you got all this stuff going on. So the race that we are called to run is a race that God has called us to live. You know, it's, it's not a complicated thing. It's living. It's living and, and enjoying life and, and interacting with life and interact, interacting with your children, grandchildren, neighbors, friends, p parents, whomever. You're interacting and you're, you're deliberately working with living, with challenging, hoping, directing, talking life. And it is this life that is the race that we are called to run. Now, 1 Corinthians 9 says, you've all been in the stadium. This is Paul talking about using the analogy of the Olympics or the, uh, what they, was the beginning of the Olympics. You've all been to the stadium and seen the athletes race. Everyone runs, one wins. Run to win. All good athletes train hard. Now, we would think that, okay, we're in the training, we're in, we're in life training. Well, coming to church and listening to the sermon, hopefully, is a, is a life event that is training us. Training us in, in the understanding of God's word so that we can apply that word to our life so that the life application of the scriptures will help us out tomorrow, will help us let go of our past today and help us plan for our future. See, I want to help each of us reach our full potential. Yeah. We have potential. 
Do you know what some of, you know, uh, I remember uh, years ago we were, when people, you know, we really put a lot of um, emphasis on people that are, you know, drafted in the, in the drafted from the, from high school, they are given scholarships to go to college. In college, they can be drafted into the professional realm. You know, so there's, they, they put, they, they um, look at people and base a potential upon that person, and so then they offer them money to go to school, whether it's in academics, whether it's in sports, whether it's, in, you know, in, in music or literature or art. People who are gifted generally are singled out and schools will pay them money to come to their school. So, you know, there's kids that play hockey, girls that play hockey. One, one of Rhonda's uh, former class students, uh, her goal is to play at, at Penn State in the, in the girls' hockey league. You know, so these are her goals and things. But you see, the, the curse of some people is they have a lot of potential. But what happens is they somehow lose their ability to keep trying. And failure isn't final. Failure can be fatal. Because if we put so much emphasis on success, we end up looking at what is successful rather than what is, what is good for today and what is growing for today. We, you know, we never, we never really grow when everything goes easy. We have to generally apply ourselves. We have to make application of those things. You know, uh, whenever uh, Rachel was in school, she, she, she was the one who had to study. She, she, was, she, had, hap- she had developed skills in, in college, excuse me, in high school about studying. David Michael was the opposite. He would go in and take the test. And he, you know, Dad, I can get a C, you know. Easy, it's pretty good, I can get a C. You know, I don't want you to get a C, get an A. Yeah, uh-huh, sure that. <laughs> he was a very thorough kid. He did the four-year program in five years. And uh, he didn't do the five-year program in four years, he did four. But he learned then, but after he got going, and got, he really learned how to apply himself, and he's done spectacular ever since, I'm bragging. But um, so we, we look at these things, and Paul is telling us that we're to run a race. Now, There is another individual I want to kind of talk about briefly, and perhaps maybe you know him. I know all of us know him, okay? Now, um, I'm just going to talk about his failures. Uh, He lost his job, and he was defeated for the state legislature. He failed in business. His sweetheart, or his fiance, dies. He had a nervous breakdown. He was defeated for Speaker of the House. He was defeated for uh, Congress. He lost a renomination for Congress. He was rejected for a land office, land officer. He was defeated for U.S. Senate. He was defeated for the nomination for vice president. He was again defeated for the U.S. Senate, and then he was elected president. Anybody know who this loser was? Abraham Lincoln. But along with that, he had a number of things that he succeeded at. It isn't like he tried all these stuff and failed and ended up being a president, you know. But what happens is, the, and, and he ended up being the most criticized president of all time. Maybe he's going to run second here shortly, I don't know. But um, he ended up being the most criticized president of all time. And the reason was 
he didn't fit in with the crowd in Washington. He wasn't a normal, wasn't a normal elected official. But, you know, we talk about the Vietnam War, and, and I know, no, I was very close to going to Vietnam, and I, I for whatever reason, I uh, didn't go to the military, but continued in college. But there were 50, I think there's 53,000 men killed in Vietnam or missing in action. In Gettysburg, there were 52,000 people killed in three days. <laughs> and you think about the hardship that went on in our society, in our country, between the North and the South and the bitterness. And the, the only thing some credit. The only thing that kept our nation together after the war was over was Lincoln and his ability to lead the nation in forgiveness. Because in the North, there were those who wanted to hang Jefferson Davis and, and hang the Southern Congress and teach them a lesson. And Lincoln said, we, we need, the war is over, we need to forgive them and let them go home. And it was that forgiveness that basically led to a, uniting, a, united, a reuniting of the, of the states. Now, of course, there's always things that go amiss. <laughs> I remember I was just talking about this this week. Um, Rachel, when she was in college, one of her friends was from Texas. And she went to her friend's house, her girlfriend's house in Texas, and they were having Thanksgiving dinner there at, her, at, her, at the girlfriend's grandmother's house. And at, 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 the, at the table, during Thanksgiving dinner, the grandmother says, I can't believe I have a Yankee sitting at my table. <laughs> and she said this about four times. I mean, this was not just a... This was not just one of those things, I got a Yankee at my table. This was, I got a Yankee at my table. You know, she just, couldn't, she just couldn't believe that there was a Yankee sitting at her table. So you see, some people's wars never end. Some people's battles are never left go. And there are some things in our life that we need to let go of. And that's why the illustration with the potatoes, you know, we carry these around. When Jesus is hanging on the cross, he says, Father, forgive them. You know, here are the people who have whipped him, beat him, nailed him to a cross, and are gambling for his, his garments and poking fun at him and, you know, ridiculing him, and he says, Father, forgive them. Because forgiveness is how we let go of what other people have done to us and what we have done in our own failures. So we need to let it go. And uh, Paul says, you're... You, you're uh, running a race, all good athletes train hard. We have to practice forgiveness. We have to practice forgiving ourselves. Every time an old sin, an old failure, whatever, an old problem comes up, you know, we have, you know, some people, uh, they have these, these movie things in their head, you know, they see pictures, and you can remember when somebody hurt you, and you sit down, you get a bag of popcorn, and you start watching the movie <laughs> in your head, you know, and it's like, uh, oh yeah, I remember when they did this, I remember when, you know, and what happens, we said, God, forgive them and let it go, you know, shut the movie theater off, turn the channel, do something different, but you see, we have to train hard, we have to train hard. And this isn't something we are to do in our own strength. We need the help of the Holy Spirit. We need to have God's love in our heart. Forgive as we have been forgiven. 
God, forgive me, and from that forgiveness, then I forgive others. You know, understanding that life is more than just this flesh and blood thing that we're living in now, life is eternal. And we need to know that we are setting ourselves up for eternity. And we are living a life that is a race that will never end. You know, in the race that Paul is talking about here, people run a race and only one wins. But in the race that we have with Christ in our heart and in our lives, everyone wins. Everyone wins. We, we, we get the gold prize. It isn't like the, everybody who participates gets, you know, gets a gold medal or gets a trophy. No, everybody who runs the race of life doesn't get to heaven. Those who confess Christ are the only ones that get in. And the quote that we had a couple of weeks ago was, God is strong, Jesus Christ is strong enough to save the weakest of faith. The strength of Christ is great enough to save the weakest of faith that would ask for forgiveness. So it isn't that we have quantities of great faith and little faith, it's that we have enough faith to ask. You see, I press on, Paul also says in Philippians, I press on toward the goal to win the prize of God's heavenly calling. We are in a heavenly calling. God has called us by name. God has so selected us to be his children and be part of his kingdom that he wants to, he wants to empower us to live the way that he wants, you know. The Ten Commandments, we mentioned this in Sunday school. The commandments are given to us to protect us and provide for us. They're, they're not just a, a list of restrictions. You know, don't steal, okay? No, don't steal, don't bear false witness. God is protecting us from the effects, the, the, the blowback, the, the, the payback for stealing. You steal, you go to jail, you pay the fine. God says don't steal, why? Because he's protecting us from the devastating loss that comes to our lives from stealing. We think we're gaining, but we lose. Whenever we tell lies, God is saying, don't lie, don't bear false witness because there's a penalty for that. I'm protecting you from the penalties of what happens by breaking my commands. So God then is giving us these commands to, to protect us from ourselves and from others. He's protecting, our, he's protecting us. So God is watching out for us by saying, you know, don't go there. You know, just like, don't go play in the middle of the street. <laughs> Why? There are cars on the street, you know. Don't go, don't do this. Well, it's just common sense for us to tell a child, don't go, you know, watch whenever you cross the street. Why? Because you can get hit. The idea is we're looking for, we're trying to prepare them to watch out for things. Let us run with endurance. The, the, writer, to the, book, the writer to the Hebrews says, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Run with endurance. There is a power to go on. There is a power of the Holy Spirit, the power of the word, the power of optimism, the power of I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. There is a strength that comes to us that enables us to go on. When we, when we wanna quit, when we, want, we think it's all over, we don't have the strength, I don't see any success in this. Well, God is at work behind the scenes. 
When God encourages us, it's not because, it's just not, it's not a hopeless encouragement. It is an encouragement that inside of us is a dream, inside of us is something that God has placed there. This is, is it where the potential, this is the place where God is leading us. The dream that's in your heart. How many are not dead? <laughs> Guess what? Now poke the one that didn't raise their hand. You know, you're not dead, raise your hand. You're not dead. You see, every one of us have a dream, so therefore we have potential, therefore we have reason for being. We have reason for being. So the reason for being is God has a reason for us to be here and that the things that we are allowing, <laughs> they're not small potatoes. <laughs> That's a little joke there. <laughs> that not small potatoes. The things that keep us from becoming, they, <laughs> we pull it out every once in a while and look at it and say, you know, do you remember when? Therefore, I look at that, and it becomes, an, it becomes an obstacle to my dream. It becomes an obstacle. God is saying, I've removed all of those. Why don't you? I've removed all of them from your life. Why don't you let it go? You see, we run the race with endurance and we come up with this, we're carrying all this garbage and you know, all these bags of potatoes. We're, we, we're carrying all this weight that the sins that so easily beset us, the sins that so easily wear us down, we keep carrying them with us. And God is saying, let them go. Let them go. They're not, they're not yours anymore. I forgave them. I cleansed you. They're forever gone. So run, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. The race that is set before us. Every one of us, every one of us have a position that we live, we fulfill. Well, I'm not working anymore, but you've got friends and family and neighbors and husband and wife and children, grandparents. You, you've got people in front of you that is your race. And these are the things that God has put inside of you and in front of you and in your race that he wants you to work through those things. He wants you to live through that. And we're looking, for, we're looking unto Jesus, who is the author and finisher of our faith. Jesus wrote the script. He's the author. Now, I, I don't believe, I, I believe that God knows everything. I believe that to God, there is no remembering the past or seeing into the future. God knows everything. He knows every decision that we're going to make, but we have to make it, okay? So God knows the script. He knows exactly what the, our book, the writing of our book, is al it's already open before God. He knows the choices we're going to make, but we have to make the choice, Okay? So, in this book is written all of our life. God has not written in our past failures to be our obstacles for tomorrow. They're forgiven. They're written out of the book. So he is the author. He's the author of our life. He is the breath of life. 
Now, he is also the finisher. He has written. You know, the Bible says that in, in the scriptures that not one jot or tittle, not one little dash of the scriptures will be unfulfilled. <coughs> <coughs> It will be complete. So it's written and it will be finished. And, and I, 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 I wonder sometimes how that God looks at us and he, he, you know, he's, he's not disappointed because he knows exactly where we're at. He knew all the things that were going to go wrong. I, I think of it, you know, God knows all the failures in my future and it doesn't interfere with his love of me today. God knew all the failures I would make when I was 10 years old from the rest of my life, but didn't stop him from loving me there. God knew all the failures that I made when I was a three-year-old kid walking up behind my grandfather to the altar with my hands in the air, my mom tells me. I don't remember. And God knew all the mistakes I would make from three years old to the end of my life, and it didn't stop him from loving me at three. So why should I think that God somehow doesn't love me now? That's a lie. That's something the enemy has put in our sack that we carry around and we become weary carrying it. So let it go. He is the author and the finisher. God is finishing. You're not finished with life because life isn't over for us so therefore we have a tomorrow. And he is the finisher that we, we have a purpose for being here. It's, it's very freeing when we think and whenever we realize that it's not up to us. It's God who is working in us. It isn't in my ability to do this. It is God's ability, God's spirit, God's word in my heart and my life that enable me to become what God wants me to be. I'm going to be the best me that I possibly can. Because God is living in me. So whether I'm serving, I'm going to serve to the best of my abilities. Whether I'm leading, I'm going to lead to the best of my abilities. Whether, I, you know, crazy me, when I had uh, mowing my grass, you know, I always mowed my grass on a straight line. <laughs> yeah, because I, you know, God, how does it look straight to you? <laughs> yeah. Well, you think he's, think he's concerned about it? Well, do it to the best of your ability. You know, I can make a straight line. I didn't, wasn't too straight. It is what the Lord. You better straighten me out next time. <laughs> when I was in the field as a kid, I would always want the rows to be straight because my dad would always say it's easier to bail hay when there's a straight row because you're always looking back. You're not looking ahead. And you're going to run and miss the row. My brother, his rows were all over the field. You know, you couldn't see where the barn, where the baler was because you were so busy following the rows. But anyhow, I look at those. You know, some people say that's obsessive. You know, I think God's obsessive. <laughs> He's obsessive with loving us. And everything that God does is in order. The universe is in perfect order. It's all balanced. God is the greatest mathematician. He's the greatest chemist. He's the great, he's just, all that stuff. But anyhow, that's a different topic. I'm going to be the best me. We're going to, and you see, whenever we're in the race, we can become weary in well-doing. But well, let us not become weary in doing the right thing. 
And let us not become weary in not having what we thought we would have. You keep on asking, you keep on knocking, you keep on believing, because who knows whether this afternoon or tomorrow will be the very day the answer comes to the prayers that we've been praying. Because God hasn't started something he will not finish. And we're not finished. We're still in the process. Um, one other story. Oh, two more, one more story. <laughs> um, there was this dog. It was going to have puppies. And it was hit by a car. And its back legs were, became unoperative. You know, they wouldn't work. So the dog would drag itself around. Well, it had its puppies, and its legs weren't set, or whatever the problem was, wasn't set, and so the dog would have had its puppies. So the puppies were born. They were all fine. They were all doing their thing. Do you know every one of the puppies drug their back legs? When they would walk, they would drag their back legs. There wasn't something wrong with them physically. They were just reflecting what they saw. And in our lives, we want to see Jesus more clearly because he's not dragging his back legs. He doesn't have a fear of failure. He doesn't have a, a thing going on where he's, he's keeping all of our potatoes. He has forgiveness going on. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. And in Christ, we can walk perfectly because he forgives us in the lame walk, the blind see, the poor have the gospel preached to them. And each of us have a purpose for our life. Amen? Amen. Do we receive it? God, help us. Help us, Lord, to let go of all these yesterdays, whether they be successes or whether they be failures, whether they be intentional or unintentional. God, forgive us, not only for our sin, but forgive us for not letting them go. Wash us, O oh Lord, and you make us clean. Thank you, God, that you are more than a conqueror. Thank you, God, that you are the healer of our bodies. You are the restorer of our soul. And you have nothing but good planned for our future. So, Lord, we walk with you each day, knowing that you will see us through. We pray in Jesus' name. Everybody said? Amen. Give me a potato. Here, Bob. <clears throat> I got more potatoes where that came from.